Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 47, produced 12 December 2017. There can be little question or debate that the Internet has helped to shrink the world around us, has allowed us to meet, make friends, and do business with people from around the world who, without such technology, would likely never have entered our lives. Combined with social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, this technology has allowed us to form entirely new groups, new communities of like-minded individuals based on similar interests and beliefs in religion, politics, sports, hobbies, or even a common heritage. One of those new communities born of this technology is the community of .scot domains, online users who share a common affinity and or connection with Scotland, including myself and this podcast. I'm Glenn Moyer, and in a moment, we'll chat with Gavin McCutcheon, director of the .scot registry, to learn more about this online community of Scots from around the world, here, under the tartan sky. Caught up in the mystic and spellbinding saga that is Outlander? Wishing you could be swept away over the sea to sky? Why not come and visit Claire and Jamie's world? It's a land of standing stones, shimmering lochs, and great glens that stretch to the horizon and beyond. Outlander, whether in books or on TV, is Scotland. Come and visit the breathtaking landscapes, walk the historic castle grounds, listen for the skirl of the pipes through the thickening mists. You can travel through time when you visit and experience Scotland. If you have an online presence, either as a business or an individual, selling product or merely interacting in the social world, and you, your product, or your activities have a tie to Scotland, then a .scot domain may be something for you to consider. Conceived in 2006 but not launched until 2014, .scot is today the world's most successful community domain, with over 12,000 sites spread across 43 countries. It is, if you wish to draw an analogy, the online form of the worldwide Scottish diaspora, which is exactly what its creators had in mind. Launching a new domain is not an easy or inexpensive task, and it relies on the support and acceptance of ICANN, the Internet Corporation of Assigned Names and Numbers. Gavin McCutcheon is the director of .scot Registry, an electrical engineer by profession. He's also a successful entrepreneur with several startups to his credit. He has a special knowledge of intellectual property, including how to create value based on cultural affinity, one of the reasons he was brought into the .scot project at the very early stages. The whole .scot concept started around 2006 when um, two fellas, um, Ross Ingebrigtsen and David Hutchison, um, petitioned the government in Scotland saying, look, it's about time we had our own domain for Scottish people, wherever they happen to be. And um, uh, the government at that time um, said, oh, okay, we'll, we'll look into this for you and did some basic market research. And um, But there was no way in which to apply for a domain at that time. And they didn't really know what they wanted. Whether you know, So there was various, uh, the government funded um, uh, some marketing initiatives to say, well, what would you call it? Would it be .scot, .sco? Or something else. And um, ICANN, the governing body, wasn't uh, accepting any kind of application at that time. They'd just gone through a round um, which allowed the creation of, uh, amongst other things, .cat for the Catalan region of Spain. Um, but they said, we're not opening up again for quite some time. So various, you know, they'd thought about it, decided they were likely to go ahead. And um, then I got a phone call um, saying, look, you deal a lot with intellectual property um, and there seems to be a lot of intellectual property involved in this internet game can you come and have a chat to us 
So along I went, and uh, they said, oh, well, okay, you seem to know what you're talking about. How about signing on the dotted line? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, we, we set up the company in 2009, um, still with no idea when we were ever going to apply for this because there was no opportunity to do so. Um, but we formed the company in 2009, and then uh, in January 2012, they said, okay, we're going to allow applications. Um, here's your 450-page application oh, <laughs> form. <geez. laughs> and uh, so we thought, okay. And um, I was just about to go on holiday at that point um, to Greece, where there was no mobile phone signal or, um, well, barely a mobile phone signal and definitely no internet. I thought, well, how the heck am I going to do this? So I had to take out a whole bunch of very directional antennas and things like this. <laughs> <laughs> Use duct tape to strap them onto my balcony rail, pointing to the next island where there was a cellular mast, and to get an internet signal. And um, set to, and we're along with uh, some colleagues in um, uh, Barcelona and Norway uh, and uh, Geneva, we wrote the application and submitted it. And uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to prove to ICANN that we had credibility to take this forward and got permission. So, yeah, long story short, it's been a long road to get to even just the launch. Yeah. So clearly then the market research that was done showed that there would be support for a domain of this type uh, when and if it were created. Yeah, and it, it also um, tied in nicely with um, ICANN, uh, their definitions of the kind of thing you could do. They would allow us to either, they'd allow the new applicants to either create a dot brand uh, which was inappropriate, or a geographic uh, domain um, in the same way that, say, .paris or .nyc is geographic. But for .scot, we wanted to be able to embrace the worldwide family of Scots, you know, um, not just the country of Scotland. So we put together a community bid on behalf of the worldwide family, which required us to show that we had the support of the worldwide family. Um, so we busily got to writing to uh, as many diaspora organizations around the world as we could. And um, the response was superb. It really was. Um, um, from, you know, Texas, uh, Kelly groups to New Zealand to the Gujarati Pipe Band of Pakistan. <laughs> um, we had support from all over the world. And uh, it was really quite you know, humbling to get that level of support. And um, so that allowed us to uh, put forward a community bid on behalf of the Worldwide Family of Scots, and that's what was accepted. So we are actually able to, to handle now for the uh, Scots and um, people who like Scottish art or culture, whatever they happen to be. And that was one of my questions. You kind of jumped ahead of my thought process here. And I was looking at the first site to go live with .scot was Calico.scot, which is an ISP provider. Um, and I was looking mm -hmm. on their site, and it says, and I'm quoting here, .scot websites offer a unique branding tool for businesses and a clear cultural identifier for people in Scotland and in the wider Scots diaspora. The size and, and um, reach of the Scott diaspora around the world is well known. So I was going to ask, was that originally a part of your planning, or was it more localized to Scotland? And clearly you've answered the question. You had the worldwide community in mind all along. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with just addressing the place Scotland. I mean, you could build a nice little domain doing that, but that would exclude so many people who have, you know, your family connections to Scotland or cultural connections or even just like the place. Um, so, I mean, if, if you consider that um, in the north of Scotland, uh, the, the Orkney Islands, 80% of the population of the Orkney Islands went to Canada. Um, so, you know, their ancestors, you know, a great deal of them would quite like to have some connection to the home country. Mm -hmm. And so being a cultural bid allowed us to do that. Yeah, absolutely. One of the terms that you hear kicked about are affinity Scots, people who even have no real connection. Um, I have an ancestry connection and, and millions of people do. But there are those who, as you say, are, I think, as I say, the term bantered around is uh, affinity Scots. Mm. They're just people who happen to ha have been there, fallen in love with it, or just like something about Scotland that appeals to them. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people come here on holiday or to you know, for a visit 
and um, kind of fall in love with the place and either stay <laughs> or <laughs> go home, but try and keep some kind of connection. Um, I, I live part of the I live part of the time. Um, I work mostly in Glasgow, but I live part of the time in a little tiny island off the west coast of Scotland called Ling. And um, we've got some uh, people there from um, all over the world who just came on holiday and thought, you know what, I could live here and just stayed. Um, so, yeah, um, it's it, the Affinity Scots, which I suppose is the more correct title. Um, we have a kind of magnetism for people. <laughs> I can't quite put my finger on what it is. It's certainly not the weather. Um, <laughs> but people do come and uh, fall in love with the place. They do. I, uh, I'm, I, and I'm one of those, uh, despite having some ancestry, although my ancestry is many generations removed. Um, yeah. And good on those who have come to your little island and stayed, because I've been to Scotland on holiday three times, and I'm coming again in summer of next year. And my dream is to make it my home, and, and I keep trying to find a way to stay. It's, it's not easy, unfortunately. Uh, and my friends just tell me, well, you know, do like the illegal immigrants do in the USA. Just go and stay. You know, don't come home. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, you know, there, there are some bodies up in the highlands that maybe I could just crawl into and, and stay for a while, and no one would really catch on that I was there. Um, you talked a minute ago as we were offline about a map that you have where you can see people from around the world who are .scot users. What do you? What information do you glean from that, and 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 what does that tell you about the acceptance of .dot Scott? Do you know something? It's it paints such an intriguing picture um, that it doesn't help me understand why people uh, choose to be associated with .dot Scott, but it just really pleases me that um, we have. Um, People who want to have some kind of connection to us, literally everywhere. I mean, some of this, looking at the map at the moment, so some of the countries, I mean, there's obvious ones like United States and parts of Europe. But then we get into Arab Emirates, uh, British Virgin Islands, China, Japan, um, Kenya, Israel, Panama, Curacao, <laughs> um, uh, Iraq, Azerbaijan. You know, there's wow. all kinds of wonderful places there. Yeah. What's it like to sit there and look at that and wonder why? I mean, I, being on social media, I wonder sometimes when someone follows me on Twitter, I think, well, what have I done? What have I said? What do? What is it about me that they want to follow and, and you know, and be in touch with me for some reason? Um, and I'm, mm. I'm thinking when you're sitting there looking at that map, you're having some of the same reaction, um, wondering and maybe speculating, let's say, about why this or that person may have created that .scot domain. Well, yeah, I mean, um, one example is when uh, the first registration came through for Iran. I thought, well, okay, um, what could be the connection between Iran and Scotland? It's, you know, you know, Iran is not well known as being a home for many Scots, or so I would have thought. But then it turns out that, um, I forget if it's the president or the prime minister, um, actually studied in Glasgow, hmm. went to Glasgow Caledonian University uh -huh. um, at about the same time that I was there. So I thought, oh, OK. <laughs> so there is connections between, you know, the, the, the Iranian people and Scotland. Um, likewise, Kenya. Um, Scots get everywhere. They really do. <laughs> and um, we do have a fantastic education system. So a lot of people yes. come to Scotland to study. Um, and then take that kind of, um, you know, love of place back home with them, which I think is just tremendous. I really do. Um, we always, it's, some people say it's one of our um, weaknesses, but I see it as a strength. And that is we want everybody to love our country. Oh, sure. Um, you know, um, we don't, we want to welcome people. We want people to appreciate the place and we'll go out of our way to try and do it. Um, so, I think it must work <laughs> well, because we do, we do see it. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say that's one of the comments, again, that I see most often on uh, social media is people who have been to Scotland. And the reaction is, my gosh, the people there were so friendly and so welcoming and I felt so at home, et cetera. 
Um, and, and there have been various polls and organizations that uh, I'm sure you've read that have voted uh, Edinburgh and, and Scotland in general as, you know, the, uh, the most welcoming places in the world and those kinds of titles that, uh, for whatever they're worth. But I think that is a true trait of, uh, of the Scottish and certainly of Scotland. And, and uh, in this day and time, uh, that certainly is an image that Scotland puts forth to the world is that they are very um, welcoming and uh, embrace multiculturalism and those types of things that in some parts of the world are not so well thought of. And so, yeah, I, I would say that's absolutely a, uh, a strength. I want to take you back a minute in the conversation to the early years. I'm curious, you said there was some discussion or some thought as well, what, what would we call this domain? Would it be .scot, .sco, uh, .scottish? Take me a little bit into that deliberation and how it, it evolved into being .scot. Basically, we um, did a, a large um, study of uh, just simply asking people, you know, what name would you prefer to have as a domain for Scotland? Um, .sco or .scot, and the vast majority went for .scot. Um, there's also an element of um, .seo could be confused with the Stanford Computing Organization, um, the people behind Unix. So there was another kind of wrinkle there as well. But certainly the majority of people uh, asked that were asked in Scotland, you know, what would you prefer as, as a domain, uh, came back and said .scot. So once we had a clear idea of .scot, then it was okay. You know, what would you like as the underlying ethos and underlying underpinning uh, principles behind .scot? Would you like it to be um, an inclusive, open TLD, or do you want it closed? Do you want it primarily geared towards business or the culture and the arts? And um, so we built quite a detailed um, uh, picture of what the majority of people would like to see a domain such as ours do. And um, we'll try to keep faithful to that uh, original idea. Um, plus also, .scot, I think, passes the test of, you know, dot, you know what is it? Well, it's Scott, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whereas SCO could be a little bit, you know, um, unclear because SCO could be applied to a lot of things, not least the Stanford Computing Organization. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... The um, it was all based basically on um, just a market study to try and find out what would be you know the most uh, uh, favorable from the public. Yeah, it's it's interesting you talk about the confusion with with what might have been .sco. Um, I have a a dear friend there in Scotland, and uh, she's a certified accountant. And we were emailing at one point, and she said something about being a member of ICAS, and I went. Oh wow, that's unusual. I'm a I'm a pilot, and I uh, in, in the United States, ICAS is the International Council of Air Shows, and oh, I okay. soon learned over there, ICAS is the uh, Institute of Certified Accountants of Scotland, or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's also the Innovation Counseling and Advisory Service as well. well. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so a dot ICAS would could be very confusing as opposed to like you say dot sco um, or dot Scott, mm. did you find um, in the initial rollout, was it primarily, was there a, a definitive uh, look at who the initial acceptors were? Was it primarily businesses uh, that had that either were Scottish or had a Scottish identity? Or was it more uh, folks like myself that are in more of the cultural arts uh, scene that have an, an attraction to Scotland? Uh, was there a, a definite one or the other that were the first uh, to accept dot Scott, or was it really a mixed bag from the beginning? We had originally planned on doing a nice controlled um, rollout, you know, so we would identify organizations that you know, we would like to showcase dot Scott, first of all, and we'd persuade them to take on dot Scott. Unfortunately, that's not the way it panned out. <laughs> um, the best laid plans. Oh, absolutely. Well, what, what basically happened was just about the time that ICANN gave us permission to roll out .scot, uh, the, the Scottish uh, government decided it was going to have an independence referendum. And we were quite concerned because we didn't want to be pasted into one political camp or the other. We were politically completely neutral. Um, and it meant we had to be quite careful about... 
um, who became Scott because if we'd one organisation, be it a cultural, arts or business organisation that supported independence, then we'd have to get another one that uh, took the counter view. Um, so all of our plans just went to <laughs> out the window, basically. And um, we said, OK, fair enough. Let's let's just find out who we can have that's going to be fairly neutral in the whole process. Um, and coincidentally, people started approaching us saying, hey, we're here, we're going to launch. Um, could we be a pioneer? Um, so one of those was a very popular Scottish uh, Gaelic singer, uh, Julie Fowlis. Mm, yes. Um, and uh, so she became Julie.Scott. And um, uh, she's got plans for what she's going to do with that in the, in the future. Simultaneously with another um, uh, completely opposite end of the musical spectrum, a ska band uh, sort of, uh, asked if it was called uh, or Bombcare if they could be a what's called I were like, sure, yeah, okay. And then the scouting organisation and the World Wildlife Fund um, both expressed a desire to be Dot Scots. Um, and then various uh, governmental organisations who wanted to lead the charge as well. So, but that's not what we originally had planned. <laughs> it's just, this was just a direct response to people contacting us, saying, hey, you know. Um, so, it, it, once again, it was, it was quite, you know, humbling that um, even though we suddenly found ourselves uh, mired in a kind of an indecision point that, oh gosh, how are we going to handle this, you know, the independence referendum and Scott launching at the same time, um, you know, how we're going to handle that from a kind of neutrality point of view. But in the end, we didn't have to handle it because people started contacting us um, wanting to be pioneers. We hadn't done any advertising. This was just people finding out through word of mouth. Um, and so that meant that our, our launch was very successful. But uh, so I'm very, very grateful to people who joined on initially as pioneers. Um, it, was, it helped us out no end. <laughs> Well, I know you want to be apolitical, and yet I, that was another of my questions. I was curious because of my knowledge of Scotland and, and the politics and, and the timing of the out uh, of the uh, uh, rollout of Dot Scott. Um, do you think? Uh, and you were doing marketing research, as you said, prior to the rollout. Did the surge of nationalism that was going on about that same time that led to IndyRef? Uh, do you think that was a positive thing that certainly may have helped? With the acceptance of Dot Scott, or would it have happened anyway? The the the, the success of Dot Scott, not the indie ref. Do you know something? I really we've thought about this a lot, uh, whether it was a good thing, a bad thing, or whether it made no difference. And we can't really dis decide on that one. Um, mm. On one hand, uh, the upsurge in people wanting express express their Scottishness. Um, was a good thing, but that happened from both camps. Um, on the other side, um, you know, some people looked at as a scans like, oh, well, hang on, you must be part of this whole independent movement. And other people said, well, you're not being pro-independence enough. So both of that, those <laughs> things came against us. So it, it was a complete mishmash. Um, all we could do was uh, be as neutral as we could be and leave people to make up their mind. Um, it, it, was a, it was a very strange time, to be quite honest about it. But in the long run, I'm very pleased that the easiest bellwether for us is the political parties. Do we have one political party more um, more consistently using Dot Scott than any other political party? And the answer is we don't. So I think we're, I think we're now just generally accepted as being part of this kind of Scottish firmament uh, okay. and we're not political, we're not partisan. And that's the way I'd like it to be. Sure. Uh, it is, uh, I, don't, I don't want to be a, a divisive force in Scotland. There's plenty of other people trying to do that. So um, if we can appeal to um, all parties, then I'm happy about that one. <laughs> um, you know. Okay. Uh, that's fair enough and well said. Um did you find in, in the uh, initial rollout again, was uh, the majority of the folks coming to Dot Scott, 
were these new domains? Um, certainly in my case it was. Uh, I, well, actually, I was a little of each. I had uh, a blog that was a .com, and I changed that to a .scot. The podcast didn't exist when it was rolled out, and but, but I had the name in mind, and so I bought the domain actually months mm-hmm. before I rolled out. It was a good six months before I rolled out this podcast. Um, but did you find the initial in the initial offering, was it primarily people who were creating new domains that came to .scot, or was uh, there a good mixture of people who perhaps were .coms or, or over there the, the .co.uk uh, domains that were switching to be become .scots? It's an interesting question, actually, because... Um, we took a lot of phone calls and emails from people who were concerned that um, who already had, say, a .com or a .co.uk, and they were concerned that if they took on a .scot, would they lose their .co.uk or .com? Or would they have to abandon uh, what they already had? And we would say, no, they're complementary. You, know? um, you can have .co.uk, .com, .net, .whatever as well as a dot .scot, if you wish. Um, and so it took a while to convince people that it wasn't an either-or thing. You could have more than one. And then people started to get concerned about, oh, well, if I've got built up a, a good reputation and I'm high up the you know, search engine rankings with my .co.uk and I move to .scot, will I lose all of that? And you know, it wasn't clear initially whether it would have a detrimental effect but some, since then, quite a few studies have been done and found that um, it actually doesn't affect your uh, search engine rankings at all um, if you do it properly. Um, and in terms of a new domain being found, then it can actually be a positive influence. So, um, But this was a very much a kind of an education thing because people weren't sure. We weren't too sure, to be honest about it, because um, some of the search engines um, just don't let on how they... Um, push people up or down the rankings. So you're never too sure whether something could affect positively or negatively. But um, yeah, so we had a lot of people who already had some existing domain and but wanted to use .scot. Uh, and that took a little bit of persuasion or a little bit of reassurance rather. Um, but then again, there was quite a lot of people who had not been online like yourself and said, ah, I like this whole .scot thing. I'm I'm going to get one. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I'm going to get one and then build a business around it. You know, have it represent my uh, hobby or, you know, arts interest or whatever. So we had a bit of a mixture of both. Um, again, it, as, a, as a whole new thing, it was a, uh, there's a lot of learning I had to go on and I'll try and find out what the ramifications of these kind of decisions are. But now... We can, if somebody contacts us and says, you know, well, look, I'm a, I don't know, say a, a community arts program, you know, if I get a dot Scott, you know, how will that affect my existing um, search rankings and SEO and that kind of thing? And we can now give them chapter and verse on it and, mm-hmm. you know, show them the, show them studies that have been done by independent groups that, you know, how it will affect positively or negatively. And we're quite candid about it, you know, because there's no point in trying to, you know, pretend to people that it will do one thing and do the, the reverse. And um, it, that that policy works well for us. I was a little of both because I had my blog was a Glen in Scotland dot Scott. Um, actually, was originally a Glen in Scotland dot com, and uh, because I started it before dot Scott rolled out. And I had that that kind of question. Well, what will happen if I change to a dot Scott, which I definitely wanted to do, and and I went on and, and did enough online research and discovered that well, I could I wouldn't lose dot com. I still own that domain if as long as I choose to. And then I, it was a sim- fairly simple matter to simply point that to my dot Scott because I wanted the dot Scott to become known as my primary domain. I wanted the blog to be to, to build up a following as um, a Glen in Scotland dot Scott. Um, but I didn't want to lose people who had found it already, you know, as a dot com. Hmm. And, and it was a fairly simple thing to to point it so that you can still log on. And, and if you log on to a Glen in Scotland dot com, it actually the website that will pop up is my dots is the dot Scott registry um, because one just now points to the other and it takes you there automatically. It's it's a thing of the Internet. I don't don't ask me to explain it. You probably can. I can't. But 
<laughs> but it works. Yeah. That's all. Whereas this podcast was always, when it launched, it was already Dot Scott. There was never anything uh, under the tartan sky didn't exist until uh, Dot Scott. And uh, and that was the conversation that I was having with David Fowler when, I, when I'm fairly certain you and I first met there in Scotland. Um, and, and that was, I had the blog, but I had in mind this the idea of creating a podcast and I had the title in mind. And as soon as I heard about dot Scott, I hadn't bought a domain yet, but I went out and bought the domain under the tartan sky dot Scott, um, months before, um, uh, we actually rolled the podcast out with its first, first few episodes. So, uh, I guess mm-hmm. I kind of fell into both camps, uh, but I was curious as to, um, whether there was pushback initially from folks who did have, uh, and, and as you said, there were the, the concerns about, well, I already am a, a successful com or a .co.uk. What will have, I'd like to be a .scot, but what will happen if, if I make that change? And, it sounds like there are still people who are making that change today and, and wrestling with some of that, but now you're better prepared to deal with those kinds of questions. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, um, the majority of people are not internet experts. Um, you know, they, they'll have, uh, some kind of website, you know, that they're using for their business or their culture or, um, you know, a community group or whatever, but they're not too familiar with, you know, how this all works and, but they know they don't want to lose their visibility online. And um, so now if they contact us, we can say, well, look, you know, here's how it works. And if you want to have a .scot, here's how you redirect your old site so that it carries the search engine ranking with it to your new site. And we can talk people through that and uh, help them out. And we do that quite regularly um, because it can be quite a worrying time. You know, so you, your entire reputation hangs online by the by invisible rules that you don't know what they are. Um, so anything we can do to help people sort of not get too hung up about it or too worried about it is something we will do. I want to talk a few minutes about uh, some of the marketing and how you spread the word about Dot Scott. Uh, it's been around for a mm. couple of years now uh, and obviously is successful. As you said, uh, uh, Dot Scott domains exist now in uh, 43 or so countries around the world. Um, a couple of things that I've seen from your marketing folks that have impressed me. One was a campaign to uh, to gather stories, as we talked earlier about that map that you can look at and and see mm-hmm. where the various domains are, and you, you can kind of sit and wonder, well, you know, why why is there a dot scot in Iran or you know, um, like Kazakhstan or wherever? And uh, kind of the same thing was a, a campaign that you guys rolled out where you reached out to those of us who are dot scots and and asked basically why did you you know why are you a dot scott domain um and mm. i know through social media you shared uh, certainly my story and and i know a number of others um are there any really unique ones that come to mind that you learned about during that process as to uh reasons why people came to dot scott the reason behind uh the, that reach out was we took on a new member of staff, um, Kiara, and um, probably one of the best things we did um, because she came in with fresh ideas about you know how to uh, take Dot Scott in the social media world and what to do with it, which is something we struggled with to some degree. And um, she reached out to, to a couple of mechanisms. One was the Outstanding Scotland um, campaign, and one was, um, you know, uh, on Instagram uh, as well. Um, and the, the responses we got were quite, quite warming actually, because people reached people were reached over for a dot Scott domain for a whole wide variety of reasons, um, which reflected the initial studies that we had done all those years before. Um, some because you know, they they believe they they wanted to you know make Scotland part of their brand. Um, uh, that way would carry the uh, the kind of I don't know what's the proper word expression for it. Carry the attributes that the Scots hold dear with them into the online world. Other people just to reflect their ancestry. Other people because uh, they were affinity Scots. And there was a whole wide variety of stories came back over that and um, love of the countryside was really quite high up there um, an appreciation for the Scottish mountains and lochs and 
uh, coastal landscapes. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, but uh, Chiara was the one who spearheaded that, and uh, it it proved proved to be very very effective. Um, how effective it was in terms of sales, I don't know, but certainly it was effective in terms of giving us a a, a snapshot of um, what people looked for in our domain and uh, what drove them to use it. Well, and you mentioned the Outstanding Scotland campaign, and then that mm. was my next question, was um, another social media outreach that .scot does is your Instagram account, uh, where mm. you encourage people to share uh, the amazing photographs of Scotland, and I think every photograph of Scotland is amazing, uh, uh, using <laughs> and using the hashtag Outstanding Scotland, and then it's shared on uh, on your Instagram account. The first one was uh, Scots Go Global, uh, reaching out to Scots and affinity Scots and ancestral Scots around the world, and the second one was uh, Outstanding Scotland, which was primarily an Instagram de- device for. Um, uh, you know, getting people involved in photography of Scotland, etc. Both of which have been very, very successful. Um, there's been quite a few other quite similar uh, Scottish photographic uh, Instagram uh, hashtags, um, but uh, which got, uh, the one we were directly involved with was the the, the outstanding Scotland one, and. Um, once again, it's, it's a standing joke here. One of my hobbies is photography, but I can't get a photograph onto Outstanding Scotland because there's too many other people better at it than me. <laughs> well, I, I share some of your pain because I've submitted several and I don't think I've ever seen one get on yet. Or certainly uh, I, I know that uh, Kiata shares, uh, shares those on your Twitter account. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen any of any of the photos that I've submitted uh, end up being shared. Uh, but that's okay because Kiara has has been wonderful to me uh, in support of the podcast and 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 my being a Dot Scott uh, member. Um, and for those who want to to peer at just beautiful pictures of Scotland and I mean amazing photographs, um, your Instagram account is is the place to go. Uh, as you say, there are others. Visit Scotland certainly promotes things like that, and there are a number of others. Um, but there is truly some outstanding Scotland photography um, showcased mm. on your uh, Instagram account. It sounds like this whole process that you had to go through to, to get Dot Scott launched, it's very reminiscent to me of what we've just been through trying to get the Scottish flag emoji. Uh, there is an international council, apparently, that oversees all of this, and you have to apply, and you wait for years. Uh, and, and goodness knows there has been an uproar and a groundswell of desire for the Scottish flag, the saltire emoji that we just finally got. Those mm. of us that are active on social media will know what I'm talking Yay. about. <laughs> Yay! Absolutely. Yep. And I use the hell out of it, I will say. Um but so I'm curious: are are you aware of any other countries or geographical locations, in New York City, for example, NYC, um, that you talked about that are maybe studying Dot Scott as uh, perhaps a a roadmap to how they might create their own uh, unique domain? Definitely, there is. Um, it's funny, and they say that uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Um, uh, but to save their blushes, I won't mention a few. I won't mention some of the places we've looked, <laughs> but we'd be quite a few um, other uh, sort of geographic uh, UGTLDs copying, especially our our uh, social media style. <laughs> and um, well, that sounds like Kiara's got some uh, job security there. Then uh, she has, yes. <laughs> well, actually, it makes me more afraid she may get poached. Um, but um, well, good. There might be a job yeah. opening I could apply for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking for any angle I can to get there. Trust me, Gavin. Yep, there you go. Um, yeah. So I mean, um, the other thing is also um, Dot Scott was one of the founder members of a European uh, organization called ECLID, uh, which is European Cultural and Linguistic Internet Domains. And we we are basically a group of um, like-minded European countries that have uh, quite distinctive cultures. So that includes uh, Galicia, uh, Catalan, Euskara for the kind of Basque countries. And we all cooperate and share best practice and information on, you know, what works and what doesn't work, etc. And we get together at uh, the kind of con- our governing bodies' conferences and uh, try and share 
all this kind of information on the basis that a rising tide will float all of our boats. Um, and that's proved quite effective as well because we are tiny little guys compared to the big internet companies out there. And um, it's only by grouping together we have uh, any kind of strength, if you like. Dotscot was, when it launched, and I assume it still is, it was a, a premium or a top-tier domain site, and, and that meant it was more expensive than a .co.uk or, or a .com or a .org. Um, I know you have a special sale. I hate to call it a sale, but I guess it's a promotion or a sale going on. Um, tell me a little about that, and, and is that um, an issue that you have to deal with on a regular basis? Is there pushback because it is a premium domain, and will that change going down the road? I guess that I guess that's many questions in one. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the things you have to bear in mind about uh, an internet an internet domain like .scot or any other internet domain is that the costs of setting one up are the same for virtually any domain. So the underlying costs of uh, a country code will be about the same as the as setting up costs of a small community domain like .scot. Uh, and they're astronomically high. The, the, the cost to apply for a domain um, is really, really high. I mean, the application fee alone is $185,000. Um, then you've got about half a million in legals. Then you've got to basically put a bond up uh, that will cover the running cost of your domain for three years just in case you go bust. Um, so you're looking at well over a million uh, dollars to set up a domain. Now, we were a bunch of enthusiastic amateurs for the first two years. We only have two paid employees now, uh, of which I am one. Um, but, but for the first few years, we just did this in our spare time and tried to get it going. Um, and we managed it, that, bearing in mind that, that we've come done this through one of the worst recessions in living memory. But we got going, and um, but all of those setup costs have to be recouped. Um, and we're a not-for-profit organisation, I will add, so there's no shareholders uh, taking uh, dividends out of the company or anything like this. So all of those costs meant that we had to be quite expensive when we set up. But written right into the fundamentals of our company is that we guaranteed to reduce our costs over time. And that's basically what's happened. Um, it took a bit of a hiccup because um, uh, when the Britain decided it was going to go down the Brexit route, suddenly the pound fell in value against the dollar and the euro, which pushed our costs up by about 20%. So there went one of our price reductions. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we've now built up um, a good solid base for the company and uh, so we're now in a position where we can start reducing the price year on year so every year you can expect our domains to get cheaper um, and it's funny if you look at the way the internet started when um, private companies first started to become in control of you know the dot coms the dot code uk's etc initially they were outrageously expensive but over time through volume of sales because it's partly a numbers game the more you sell, the cheaper it gets. Sure. Um, the price the price came down, and um, so now here we are, two years after we launched, three years after we launched, and we're now cheaper than .dot com, and about the same price as a .dot co .dot uk. Um, when you take out um, special offers that you see for .dot co .dot uk's, we're about the same price, at ten pounds. So um, we were quite surprised as well because. Yeah, we, we were criticised quite strongly for being quite expensive. But we don't control the sales price either. The sales price is set by the, the registrars who sell the domains. And in some cases, you know, no names, but in some cases they were profiteering. They were taking far too big a margin on selling our domains. Um, now, part of that was because so many new domains launched at the same time. Um, I think the whole situation was badly handled by our governing body. So we ended up with this log jam of over a thousand names, new names coming through the system at once, of which we were one. Uh, and we were quite far down the list. 
in terms of when we were processed. So the registrars had to change their business models to accommodate all of these new names. And um, that's obviously got a cost. So suddenly they were charging more for the new GTLDs than they were for the legacy ones, which doesn't help matters when you're trying to set up at a reasonable price. But we're now down at a competitive price and planning on keeping it that way. Um, uh, and uh, initially we'll put the £10 price in as a, as a as a trial. And if the sales didn't increase, then we say, OK, fair enough, we have to re-examine this. But the sales have literally gone through the roof. <laughs> um, we've reduced the price. So thinking, OK, well, the public are voting with their wallets. So you know, we're going to have to then we're going to readdress our pricing model again um, because it is literally written into our um, articles of association that we will be reducing our price year on year. And uh, so this is the first step in that process. Am I clear in that the, the current £10, but is that just a limited time offer at this point? To stick our toe in the water, we put it in for two months with the option of extending it for three to three months. Um, but if the sales keep up at the current level, then we will definitely extend that um, uh, because it'll take our volume of domains that we have out there to the point where um, we can afford to keep it ha down at that level. Um, it's, it's, it's the way the, um, the industry works um, is quite crazy but basically the more domains we have out there the cheaper the domains become sure. therefore the cheaper we can make them yeah you know so it's it's a kind of uh, a virtuous cycle if we can reduce the price to a point where they become more popular then the price to us comes down therefore we can reduce the price more right so if if this if this sale is as effective as it looks like it might be then the price will be going down and staying down and then we'll be able to start reducing some of the, uh, you know, the the longer term costs, renewal costs, and that kind of thing as well, um, because ideally we want to bring it to the point where uh, the price is no longer a barrier to anyone getting one of our domains. You know, we're ways to go before that happens, but it's it's all little steps. Sure. Um, what's your sales pitch then to someone who's considering? Uh, a .scot domain, whether as a new site or um, as a conversion from a .com or a .co.uk? In terms of a sales pitch, basically, if it's Scottish, make it a .scot. Um, we are about more than just um, creating websites. It's about building the Scottish culture online. Um, for a long, long time, like since the internet first came into being. Scotland had no voice, none. Um, if you're a Scottish business or uh, arts group or whatever else, or just a private individual, you could get a .com or a, a, a .org, uh, or you could be a .co.uk. But there's nothing that would allow you to say, you know, this is Scottish. You know, I am a, a, an ancestor of a Scot. I, I, I like Scotland. There was nothing that would allow you to do that. And the whole raison d'etre for Dot Scott is to create a community, create a family, a home for Scots online. And it's early days because it takes a couple of years for, just for people to know you exist. Um, but slowly we're getting there now. We are creating this whole cultural thing online where people, you know, are beginning to behave more as if this is a kind of natural home for the worldwide family of Scots. Um, so my sales pitch would be, if, if, if I was to try and sell it, um, then it would be that if you want to be part of that worldwide family of Scots, then we are the, your natural home and you'll be as welcome here uh, in the internet world as you would be physically in Scotland. Um, we want all the, all the all of Jock Tamson's bairns, as they say here. We want people from all over the world. We want your cultures, your distinctiveness to join with us, you know, and um, make us your home. Um, it's, it's funny, we, going back to when we first launched, uh, or first planned to launch, we went round um, 
in Scotland is a very diverse um, country. We have a lot of people from a lot of places in the world have chosen to make Scotland a home. So we contacted a lot of them um, and said, you know, would you support this? And it, quite often it was the first time they'd been asked to support anything online. So um, some of the Islamic groups, some of the uh, other religious groups that are in Scotland from around the world were like, oh, okay, really? You'd want us to be part of, yeah, of course we would, you know, this is Scotland, we're, we're all in it together. And I think that approach has worked and it's kind of shown up that the worldwide family of Scots is such a broad church. It's such a, a, a mixed bag of you know, people from different backgrounds, different origins, different, you know, different desires for what they want to achieve online. Um, but there is a home for them, and it is Scott. My thanks, as always, to my guest, Gavin McCutcheon, director of Scott Registry. The sale we discussed, with Scott domains available for as little as £10, was ongoing as this podcast was produced. However, as Gavin explained, it is the registrars who set the final price. So if a Scott domain is in your future, you may be well served to shop around. And don't forget, if you enjoy great photos of Scotland, and who among us doesn't, be sure to follow Scott on Instagram to enjoy the photos there posted with the hashtag OutstandingScotland. Next time, it's our Christmas present to all of you, a chat with one of Scotland's rising young musicians. Already a star with the bag rock sensations the Red Hot Chili Pipers, we'll visit with none other than Doogie the Piper. Yes, my friend Doogie McCants and I will review his just-released debut solo album, Composed. That's next time, here, Under the Tartan Sky. Until then, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tavalev, agus alapakubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website, at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol, Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.